Thank you for listening to the teaching podcast of Muncie First Church. If you would like to know more about us, go to MuncieFirstChurch.com. Or if you would like to support a ministry, go to the giving page, MuncieFirstChurch.com slash give. Well, let's jump into the teaching from this last week. Let me just pray for a moment here. Father, we just invite your presence today to be all that matters. Lord, I praise you that, that even though our numbers are small, that, Lord, we came together to praise you and we worship you. I pray for those who aren't able to be here today, Lord. I pray that they will experience your closeness wherever they're at, that right now you're, you will speak into their hearts and their lives and, and that you'll remind them that you are so good. But, Lord, I'm glad to gather with your people. I'm glad to sing the promises of God. I'm glad to praise your name. I'm thankful, Lord, for your presence here tonight, today. And and I'm asking, Lord, that you will just be real in the message as well. Lord, not only in the music, but in the message. And that our hearts will just be stirred today. That, Lord, you will will honor and and, and give us your honor and your glory and your presence, Lord, by being here with us, Lord. We just need that today. So, Lord, come right now. And, Lord, I pray for the needs that are everywhere around us. Lord, there are people that are hurting everywhere, and we pray for them. I especially want to lift up to you, uh, Tina Taylor's little granddaughter, Tina and Chris's granddaughter, Bristol, Lord, who's in the hospital and, and it's premature and is struggling. Lord, would you touch her little body right now there in Indianapolis? And we just believe, Lord, you're going to meet her needs. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you for what you're doing. Lord, right now, if there's those who are struggling in their lives spiritually, I pray that their hearts would just be open to hear what you have to say. If there's those who are struggling in their, in their relationships, that you would just, they would hear you. And that this morning, Lord, this would make a difference in our lives. We love you and praise you. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, we're going to talk about being a difference maker again. We've been doing that the last several weeks, and I want to talk about being a difference maker again. And I want to talk about using Christianity, using Christ, using our relationship with Jesus Christ to its full potential because, you know, I really think that uh, there's times when, when we just aren't doing that. Um, I, was, I was thinking about this. I was at a staff meeting last Tuesday, and we, we were meeting at the caffeinery, and I was with Ian and and Nathan, and by the way, the reason Nathan's here has not got anything to do with snow. He's on a ship in the middle of the Caribbean somewhere. And uh, go figure, how does that happen, you know? He and Olivia decided to go on a cruise right before it snows. So they're, they're pretty awesome. It is good to have, by the way, and I won't make him stand up or anything, but it is good to have Olivia's grandmother uh, here with us and her husband, Ted. And Ted's a good personal friend of mine, too. So it's great to have you guys here with us today, too. But anyway, last, uh, last uh, Tuesday we were in the caffeinery in downtown Muncie and we were sitting there and we were talking and communicating back and forth. And when, in, uh, when we get there, uh, immediately Nathan and Ian and, and Madison pull out their computers and set them on the table. They all have MacBooks, you know, and they're real cool and they sit there with their MacBook computer and, and look really cool. I, I, don't, I don't have a MacBook or anything like that. And uh, they're connecting to things, and they're helping Madison. She's just getting started, get connected to the, all the things and the apps we use as a staff. And Nathan was making some of the graphics like you see on your bulletin. He does a lot of that stuff, too. And Ian was updating the website. And I just sat there, and I marveled at how much these guys know about computers and their technology skills. Now, I have a computer. It's a PC, not a, a MacBook, but... It is a laptop. The battery died a while back, and so I keep it plugged in and use it as a desktop. And uh, it has a lot of different programs that is on it. I noticed that. 
but I really use it for word processing. It's pretty much just a glorified typewriter. I also have this iPad. You've seen it up here. I use it for my notes when I preach, and, and uh, I have this iPad. It's an awesome thing. I love this thing. You know, the iPad is one of the, my favorite things in all the world. It's capable of so many things, and sometimes when we go to staff meeting, when they open up their MacBooks, I put my iPad up here like this so I look like I belong. I've not got anything on it. I'm just setting it up there so I look like I'm part of the gang, you know. It's just, it's just what I do. Um, but I use it to display my notes when I'm preaching, and, and I sometimes have figured out how to watch TV on it because I stream my TV at home. It's a computer streaming thing, so I can do it on here. And so if there's two games on, I can watch one on TV and one on here. It's pretty cool. Darcy likes that when I do that. She really enjoys that. And uh, I use it sometimes to check Facebook and to read the news. That's about it. Also, I have an iPhone 7. How many of you have iPhones? Anybody here have iPhones? You know, most of us have iPhones, or at least we have a smartphone of some sort. Most people, there's a few of you probably still flipping, but most of us are, are, uh, are into the smartphones. And, and I figured it out. It's a great phone. It can be used for many things, like texting and Facebook checking. And I have learned how to use it as a GPS. That's nice. Once in a while, people even call me on it. It's, it's pretty amazing. And oh yeah, I do Amazon shopping off of it as well. And that's about all I do with my iPhone 7. That's about the extent of my technology knowledge. I, I sit and I marvel at the abilities of the staff people and others who I've met um, and, and who can do so much. I, I was talking to Madison that day and I said something to her about how awesome it was that she knew so much. And she said, oh, I know a lot but not nearly as much as my students. Now, Madison teaches uh, 10-year-olds at Elwood, at Elwood uh, Community Schools over in Elwood, Indiana. And she said, well, I don't know how to jailbreak a, a, an iPad, but all of my students do. Now, my guess is, as I say that to you, a lot of you don't have a clue what I'm talking about when I say jailbreak your iPad. But 10-year-old students know how to break to jailbreak an iPad or an iPhone. And while Ian and Nathan and Madison know a ton about these computers and these gadgets and these handheld uh, devices, they're still not as tech savvy as the next generation is. If you ever really want something figured out, go see your 10-year-old is the moral to that story. The funny thing is I own all this technology and I remember when I was buying all this. I, I went out and when I bought it, I wanted the ones that would do the most stuff. I didn't go out and buy an iPhone 5 or an iPhone 4. I had one of those, and I wanted to upgrade it because it didn't do enough stuff. Now, honestly, my iPhone 4 did exactly what my iPhone 7 does for me, you know, because I didn't use it for anything else. But I wanted it because, you know, everybody has to have a better one. And I bought it, and I wanted the ones that would do the most stuff. And in reality, my phone, my little iPhone 7, has more computer and computing power than the computers they use to send Apollo 11 and Neil Armstrong to the moon. By far more. But I use almost none of its great potential. I have basically taken my iPhone and set it on the shelf and said, I got what I need. I don't need anything else. I haven't done the work to learn all of its programs and to understand its abilities. I turned on the tutorials Anybody ever do that before? Try to run the tutorials to find out how to use stuff? 
I turned on the tutorials to try that, and by the end of the third function, I'd forgotten what the first function was. And besides that, I could get on Facebook and Instagram, and who cares what else you need to, I mean, I had it all figured out. And I don't think I'm the only one here who is you not using the full potential of their electronic devices and their programs. In fact, I guess, my guess would be that most of us are not using hardly any, if any, of our devices to their full potential, even you younger ones who that seems more natural to. And the reality is, is that I think that a lot of us are also like that in our relationship with God. And I want to talk about that this morning. Do you know there are blessings that God wants to give to us? There are things that He wants to do for us. There are situations and there are so many things that He wants to allow us to use his power and his abilities in that we don't know anything about, that we have just completely missed. We have just forgotten it. John 1, 12 through uh, John 1, verses 12 through 13 say this, Yet to all who received him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, children born not of natural descent nor of human decision or of a husband's will, but born of God. And if you listen to that, it says God has called us to be his children. It says that we are called to be his children. It, it says to all who receive him, to those who believe in his name, he gave the right to be children of God. Now, he didn't call us to be servants. He didn't call us to be hired hands. And he didn't call you to be an adopted cousin three times removed. He called you to be his kids, his children. How many of you think your children are special? Anybody want to admit to that right now? You know, if they're sitting by, you don't have to. You know, not understand. No, they are all special. Your kids are all special to me, but not nearly as special as my kids and my grandkids. I, I just got to tell you that. I love your kids. They're wonderful. But I love mine more. God loves us the same way we love our children and beyond. We're his kids. Got to get that in our minds. We're his kids. With all the rights and privileges of what it means to be a child of someone. My kids have some privileges that your kids don't have. My kids with me have privileges. My, my kids can come walking in the house. They don't have to knock. My, my kids can go and get in the refrigerator and get whatever they want. I don't have a problem with that. My kids can come and if they need my truck, borrow my truck. My kids can, can come to me and ask me for things and I will lay down what I'm doing and drive to their house and work on their house for them. Because they're my kids, and they matter to me. And they have privileges and rights that no one else has because they're my kids. And that's the way we are with God. We have rights and privileges with God that we don't take advantage of, that we aren't using, that we aren't allowing to change our life. God has called us, made us, shaped us for being his children. That's what you were made for. That's who God intended you to be. When he created mankind, he did not create us to be distant and far away. He created us to be his children, to be in fellowship with him, to, to worship and, and, and to spend time with him. Worship didn't mean necessarily sing to him, although that might be part of it. Worship meant to spend time with him and to acknowledge who he was and to be a part of his life. You know, do you like it when your kids call you dad or mom? Because, see, that's kind of their worship. They're, they're acknowledging your place. They're acknowledging that you are someone special. My kids don't come in and call me Mark. They don't say, hey, you, stupid. Because they know better. They learned that a long time ago. They come to me and they say, hey, Mark. They don't know say that. They say, hey, Dad. Hey, Dad. There's a, there's a respect there. And I think that's the way it is with God. He expected us to, to treat him like 
our Father, to be His children. But we messed that up, and now we're a messed up and broken race. And how many of you admit right now there seems to be a problem with humanity? Anybody see any problems going on in the world around us? Any brokenness in the world? We're hateful. We're jealous. We're slanderous. We're narcissistic. We kill each other. We steal from each other. We lie to each other. But the good news is this. God has not abandoned nor forsaken his kids. You know, I I know people whose kids do things that they shouldn't do. They get in trouble. I know people whose kids are, are struggling and maybe even in jail. And you know what? They aren't going, oh, well, those kids don't matter anyway. I didn't really like them. And they don't just ignore them. They're working to try to redeem and to bring them back to themselves. And God is doing the very same thing. He has made us for relationship with Him. So He sent Jesus to redeem us so that we could be forgiven and restored. So we could enter back into a right relationship with Him. And that's true for the whole world. That's not true for just you. That's true for all of us. Everyone who is out there is someone God wants to forgive and redeem. Everyone. And I know that that's not new news to this crowd, that you have heard this all before, and you're sitting there going, okay, well, that's nice. But I think it's worth repeating as often as possible. And I really think it's worth celebrating. And that's why we sang like we did this morning. We reminded ourselves that he is faithful, isn't he? Isn't he faithful? So the good news is not that the Colts won. Oh, oh yeah. Too soon on that, right? I mean, it's a little sore still, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. The good news is not the Colts at all. Today. <laughs> the good news is that God has won. He has defeated Satan. And in spite of our sin and in spite of our brokenness, God still loves us and chooses us for his children. He chooses us for relationship. And that is good news, my friends. That's great news. And it's the greatest news of all. It's the difference maker of all difference makers. This is what changes everything, this good news that I have just declared to you. That's what gives us and allows us to be difference makers in the world. Along with the good news goes some other news, though. John, Jesus' friend, told us that we have the right to become children of God, children born of God, if we receive Jesus and what he's done for us by his resurrection. And while that's true, and many people have exercised the right to be children of God, many still, uh, and many are still, many are not, most are not, living in the privilege and the power and the heritage of that name, child of God. I really believe that. I am convinced of that, in fact. Many are doing with their right to be a child of God exactly what I did with my and do with my electronic devices. They use the little bit and set the rest of the potential up on the shelf. Many of us have accepted Jesus Christ, but we have then set him on the shelf and said it's good enough, and we have not opened up this relationship to its full potential. And I think that a lot of people have accepted Jesus as their Savior, and we preach regularly, John 3, 16, for God so loved the world. That he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever would believe in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. That's absolutely the truth, but it's just a beginning. You need to read that verse and accept it and be forgiven of sin and then say, well, I'm on my way to heaven now, right? That's it. That's all you need, right? I mean, that's what a lot of people seem to be doing. But I believe it's so much more than that. I really do. 
So many people just put the relationship with God on the shelf. Can you imagine buying an iPhone X? I think that's the latest one now or whatever, X something. And, and you know, you spend, set, what is it? Excess, all right, excess. I think that really is what they meant. They just said excess, but they meant excess. Yeah, because it cost you an excessive amount of money to buy that thing. I'm telling you, 700 bucks or something like that for that dude right now. And can you imagine spending that money, buying yourself this iPhone XS and reading that it makes phone calls and then putting the instructions back in the box and that's all you ever did was just used it to make phone calls. Got this all figured out. And if you do that, you miss the point. You're never going to get real use out of it and it's definitely not worth the money. Okay, so Jesus died to give us much more than that. And I want to talk about that. I was talking with a guy this week who was saved from a life of abuse and addiction, pornography, hate, anger, and depression. That's, he had been involved in all those things. His life had been horrible. He was given the short end of the stick, if you want to look at it that way. He really was. I understand that. And, and his salvation, when he got saved, it made a difference in his life. It was a wonderful thing. Now, he'd been abused as a child sexually. He grew up minus a father figure for most of the time. He was considered unhelpable, incorrigible while he was in school. He was so hurt and angry and depressed that he had used drugs to cover up his pain. He's into porn because he had no real intimacy with anyone. He was desperate and he met Jesus. He was forgiven of sin, became a child of God and everything was made new. He was reborn with all the rights, privileges of a son of God. It was glorious. He felt free. He felt new. He felt clean. He was moving forward in life for the very first time. Something was going the right way. Then a problem arose. Here's the deal. He felt so good when he was saved he felt like everything was already fixed and everything was already taken care of, that all the past was finished. He began to tell others. He wanted to share his good news. But the problem was that this was the beginning of journey of spiritual healing and health for him. See, if we understand this, it had moved the needle of his love tank up so that there was something in there now, but it hadn't moved it all the way to the end. But because he felt so much better, he thought he was well, and he stopped pursuing Jesus. He thought he had all he was supposed to have. He put Jesus kind of on the shelf. I've got everything I need. I'm on my way to heaven. Everything's good now. He figuratively did that and began to try to help others. And he, began, he, he didn't continue to grow. He didn't continue to learn. He didn't continue to let God do in him what needed to be done. He didn't continue to open up the nuances and the, and, and the things that Jesus has died to give to us. His focus became about what he could do for others, which that's a good thing, but, but he hadn't reached that place where he was ready to do that. And I have to tell you that doing for others is a big part of things, but learning to know and understand Jesus and to live in real intimacy with Jesus is vital if you're ever going to do that. What happens is, is that we, we get saved and we put it on the shelf and say, now I'm saved. Okay, I want to go out and tell everybody that I got saved. Everything's good. I'm going to heaven. I don't need to worry about it now. Everything's fine. His walk with Jesus is like my walk with my iPad. He was using a small part of what was really available to him. And after a while, when things got difficult and he began to have the old feelings creep back into his life, he concluded that maybe Jesus wasn't enough. It wasn't that Jesus wasn't enough, it's just that he didn't take it any further. He didn't open up and find out through the instructions, the Bible and the truth of what God really wants to do in our lives for us. 
In reality, he was pouring out with having, without having anything poured in. And so right now I'm asking you to ask yourself the question, am I using all that God has made available to me as a believer? Am I everything that God would want me to be? Because if you're not, you need to start pursuing that. That is important that we pursue that. That's what we call discipleship. It's opening up the, uh, to us who God is so that we can live in the fullness of God, not just in a little part of God. It's like taking the instructions and sitting down and figuring out your phone. You can become a disciple of it. You'll learn how to use it. You'll find out it'll do things that you never dreamed of. I actually saw a guy one time using his iPad while he's up on stage to control the soundboard in his church. I'm going, that's pretty cool. So I looked at it and I said, well, wonder how you do that. I have no clue. But I think it will do it if I did the right thing. Somebody said it would. I saw him do it. Louis, Louis Giglio, man, he was back there doing it. He's running sound, making things sing. I mean, he was having a great time. So have I learned and am I learning and am I growing and becoming everything Jesus died for me to be? Am I pouring out? If I'm pouring out, am I taking in? Because being a son or a daughter of God is about a whole lot more than just going to heaven someday and not doing some things wrong. And I think that in the church of the Nazarene especially, and I don't know too much about a lot of the other churches, but I know inside of our own denominational churches, we have made it oftentimes about just going to heaven and not doing some things wrong. And that's not enough. That's like using your iPhone to make phone calls. It's just not enough. I've been talking the past few weeks about being difference makers. I really believe we are called to make a difference in the world. We're not saved just to live out a life as a tamed version of our old self. I believe that God made people like little Liam over here to be who he is. And that we don't want just a tamed version of him. We want a saved on fire version of him changing the world. He's sleeping right now. It's okay. I mean, you know, some of you are sleeping too, and I didn't call you out. But that's my point. You know, a lot of us think that we're just here to kind of tame the kids down and try to get the young people to act right. And that's not what we're supposed to be doing. That's not what the church is for. We're forgiven of sin and filled with the Holy Spirit and given power from the Holy Spirit of children of God to become who He wants us to be, to go out and to change the world. To make a difference. To do that, we have to be living out of the full resource of our Father. And we cannot do that if we only engage in just the beginnings of, uh, of salvation. Often the Christian, the believer, the child of God I meet, when asked what Christ means to them, are only at the point of He forgave my sin, I no longer feel guilty, and I'm going to heaven. And that's it. They stop right there. That's it. But there's so much more. And if we will seek all that God has for us, not only will God through Jesus forgive us of our sin, but he can and will heal the hurt and the scars of the past. I'm going to tell you right now that, that right now, if you've got all those things going on, he will deal with those things. I mean, he doesn't want to just paint over the, the holes. He wants to patch the holes. He wants to fix it. Oh yeah, there's scars. There's, there's damage to our lives. I get that. But he wants to make it so that you're brand new. He wants to give you strength to overcome even those things that have happened to you in the past. He doesn't want you to live as an addict. He doesn't want you to live as a person messed up from the past. He wants you to live free of that. I'm not saying that you can't remember that, oh yeah, in the past I did these things, but he does want to give you the power to overcome them and to defeat them and to not just live with them, but to overcome them, to 
to smash them, to defeat them, and to win the battle over them. He wants to give you the power to live above sin and to be holy. He doesn't want you to just say, well, I sinned, so I pray and I ask God to forgive me and it's just nothing I can do about it. I'm not telling you he's calling you to sinless perfection because I don't believe in that. But what I do believe he's calling us to is to overcome the sin in our lives, to completely overcome it so that we live above sin, so that we live in power and victory over the things of the world. We don't have to participate in them and wallow around in the mud with everyone else. That's Romans chapter 7 and 8 tells us that. God gives us the power to overcome Satan and his schemes to destroy us. I believe that Satan and his angels are are definitely working against us. I don't know that everything happens like that, but I do know that there's a lot of times in our lives when Satan is out after us and there's things that are happening and God wants to give us the power to defeat that. He wants us to give the power to defeat Satan's attempts to destroy our marriages. He wants to give us the power to defeat our attempts to destroy our children. He wants to give us the power to defeat uh, the the, the world and all the things they're bringing against us and trying to to take us down and destroy us. I got to tell you something. It's not easy to love people sometimes. Anybody here ever find it difficult to love somebody? Yeah, I mean, sometimes even the people sitting next to you. You know, that you put your arms around and call sweetie once in a while, you know. I mean, I'm just being honest up here, right? But I got to tell you the truth. Yeah, exactly, Karen. Uh, I got to tell you the truth. Thank you. I, I got to tell you the truth. God will give you the power to overcome that. And I mean, you need the power. You know, because we live in a world that's a very selfish world. And if we're not careful, the world convinces us it's all about us. And I'm going to tell you what, God gives us the power to love to love, to love, no matter who it is. That's what he's called us to. We're not living in the Old Testament. We live in the New Covenant. We live in the New Testament. We live what Jesus said. What was his commandment to us? Anybody remember? I've been saying it a bunch lately. That's part of love God, love each other. That's part of it. That's that's how he started. Then he finished it up and said, well, in fact, I'll tell you what to do. Just love each other as I've loved you. How did God love us? How did Jesus love us? He died for us. And so go out and die for others. That's what he's saying. It's way bigger than following the Ten Commandments. That'd be easy. This is a lot harder. He gives us the power to actually pray for people, to, to spend time on our knees and to pray for them and to love them in front of him so that we can go out and love them in person. Because I'm going to tell you something. Sometimes the only way you're going to win, the only way you're going to really begin to love somebody is right here first of all on your knees or in front of your sofa or somewhere else where you pray saying God you got to help me because right now I don't love them very much they hurt me anybody ever anybody hurt you I have now I got some pains I got some scars I got some places I can show you man it's like a knife fight inside me at times but God has forgiven and he's helped me to forgive and he's helped me to love and the only way I can learn to love people that hurt me like that is to get on my knees and say, Lord, I just want to love them. Show me how to love them. And I begin to pray for them, and God gives me grace to love them. You know what? We've been given the power to heal broken bodies. I don't believe that, that we should just pray casually for healing. We should pray believing that God is going to heal. I'm going to tell you, we have seen God heal people. I have experienced God's healing in my life physically. We know that I have talked to others who, who recently we've prayed for that have experienced a healing in their backs. They've experienced God's healing. Now, I'm not telling you everybody that we pray for gets healed, but I am telling you right now that I don't understand why not, but, 
but God has a plan. But we do believe that God gives us the power to overcome the physical things of this world. I, I got to give you another one. This is a big difference maker. You've been given the power by God, if you accept it, to comfort other people. You know, we don't use that one very much because we're so selfish and self-centered, we're walking around, well, I don't have time to comfort you. Darcy was in a, in a store the other day and a lady was sitting there that was checking her out, was, was upset and hurting and kind of, kind of uh, not feeling good. Darcy asked her how she's doing. She confessed that it wasn't a good day and she had some things going on at home and, you know, she kind of shared it. It was a Meyer, one of the, one of the cashiers and, and, and Darcy comforted her. She prayed for her right there in the store. Yeah, how you do that? Uh, how many of you have seen that video uh, of the FedEx lady? Isn't that cool? The, she goes out and she, she realizes that this lady is needy and God just lays on her. She drives clear back to the lady's house, knocks on her door and says, let me comfort you. Let me pray for you. We've been given a gift and, and people are so hurting right now. I mean, I think you could be a full-time comforter and never come close to reaching all the needs in the world that we live in. We've been given the power to comfort others. We've been given the commission to lead others to Jesus. You have been invited to do that. It's not just those who have the gift of discipleship. How many of you know that when you live it out, and I'm not talking about you go out and memorize a plan to go beat everybody up and say, you got to learn. You. It's not getting them to say a couple of words. How many of us know that we've been given a commission to show others Jesus and to keep showing them Jesus until they go, man, I want some Jesus in my life. I need Jesus. You know, the people that I'm reading, everything I read says that people are kind of turned off to church, but not to Jesus. The reason they're turned off to church is because we're not doing the things we're supposed to be doing. But they're loving Jesus still. Jesus is still important. We've been given the power to heal broken marriages. How many of you know that right now? That when you see somebody getting divorced, it's not like, well, that's too bad. Shoot. Oh, well. It's go to them. Get in the middle of it. Get in the fight. Bring the comfort. Bring the hope. Bring the love that they can't see. Be the light. Sometimes in the middle of a divorce, it's just a light that's not shined yet. But we can be the light that shines and shows them the way. I've seen broken marriages healed. There's people here in this church today who go to our church who are here today for one reason, because someone turned the light on and said, look, this doesn't have to be this way. We've been called to speak peace into a violent world. We don't have to keep being fire in this world. We don't have to keep lighting fires. We can be peacemakers. We can speak peace. We've been given power by Jesus oh, through his death and his resurrection to speak peace into a world full of violence. We are not Old Testament Christians again. We do not believe in eye for eye, tooth for tooth. That is not who we are. That is not what Jesus said. He said to love each other. We bring peace when we love each other in this violent world. We've been called to be a sanctuary, a place of refuge for the hurting and the lost. We are to reach out and love, not to condemn and throw away people. We've been called to pronounce good and hope over people instead of tearing them down. We do not rejoice when people's lives are destroyed. We rejoice when God brings hope and peace back to a place or back to a person. We need to understand that. Pronounce good over people. How many of you do that? How many of us sit there and say, well, they got what they deserved. I'm telling you, I'm glad that finally happened to them. That's wrong. Our lives should be, Lord, I pronounce 
hope in Jesus' name over them. I pronounce good things over them. In spite of the fact that they've done that, Lord, I want you to bless them. Bless them. Continue to bless them until they understand you, until they are just so overwhelmed by the good in the world around them that they can't do anything but say, yes, Jesus. So we, there's so much more to being a Christian than just, I'm going to heaven. I'm glad I'm going to heaven. How many of you are glad you're going to heaven? Amen, right? It's good. But you know what? That's the reward. That's not the goal. The goal is loving each other like Christ loved us right now in the middle of all that's going on. When we read through Paul's letters, we see where he said, whatever you have received from me or seen in me, put it into practice. Paul lived out what he learned from Christ. We learned it from Paul, from Jesus. We need to put it into practice. We need to start practicing it. You know what? I, I know that Seth played golf at Taylor University, and guess what? He didn't get there because he was just a naturally good golfer. Now, he's got some natural talents, but he had to practice. I love watching Maggie play the piano. She didn't get there accidentally. She practiced. Anything you do of any value, you've practiced. Okay? And so, whatever we've received from me, put it into practice. In other words, as Christians, we go out and we say, okay, I'm not, I'm not perfect at this yet, but let me see if I can pronounce a blessing over you. And pretty soon, you can pretty soon you can and all those other things paul lived out of what he'd learned we need to learn from them and then begin to live that out our faith was meant to make a difference in the world that's the key that i want you to get today your faith is not to just sit on a shelf your faith is meant to make a difference in the world not to just save us for another world heaven is the reward we're not called to use the gifts and abilities and truth that jesus taught us to just bless ourselves he gave them to us to change our world he didn't give it to us so that we can walk around and say man i'm a great guy everybody loves hanging around with me he gave you the ability to bless others so that they could be blessed so that their hearts could be changed we need to take our faith down off the shelf wherever you've got it stored at you know i got a box full of i got a place where i've got a box full of old iphone boxes anybody still got those two you know they're so nice you can't throw them away you know and you keep them and i got a box full of old iphone boxes all the instructions are still there but I have not done anything with them. See, we, we do that. Um, how many of you have a Bible? Take it down off the shelf. Don't, don't go over to the beginning. I mean, there's nothing wrong with the Old Testament. I mean, there'll be a time for it. But right now, jump into John. Jump into Matthew. Jump into Luke. Read the Gospels. Mark's real short. If you don't have a lot of time, take the abbreviated version. You know, Mark, he's, real, he's probably the first one, and it's really short. Start to read. You know, most Christians don't read their Bibles any more than iPhone users read their instruction booklets. It's just the way we are. We need to begin to learn and grow in our understanding depth of insight so that we can use it to make a difference. We're called to be difference makers, but we can't do that on our own. Our intellect isn't strong enough to change anyone. I don't have the power or the ability to bring change to anyone. I've tried. Oh, trust me, I've tried. Ask Darcy, I've tried. But I can't change anyone. I can't even change myself. I struggle to change a diaper, let alone myself. I can't change anyone or anything by my own goodness or by my own power. The only hope that I have 
is the same hope you have, and that is to use all that Jesus died to give to me. Come on up, Seth, and get ready to play here. The only hope I have is to use all that God died to give to me, all that Jesus died to give me, so that I can overcome the world. So that through the power of the Holy Spirit living in me, I can be a difference maker. And the only way that's going to happen is if I put into practice begin to live out what he said. I need to dust it off. Let me ask you something right now. Is your Christianity all old and dirty and dusty? Is it just something that you did back 40 years ago, 50 years ago, 20 years ago? You got saved, you asked Jesus to forgive you, and you had a good day, and it was like, man, that was neat. Maybe for a week or so you felt kind of excited about it, but since then, well, I'm, I'm saved. I'm going to heaven. I'm not worried about it. I'm just going on, living life, doing what I want. Or is it making a difference? Are you making a difference? See, we need to go deeper. A lot deeper. A lot deeper. Just keep going deeper. Here's what I do know. I know that you'll never get to the bottom of everything that God has for you. That is an un, that, you know, That's a bottomless pit. That is uh, unminable. You cannot get to the bottom of that one. It's beyond you. But boy, what, a, what an adventure to try. Would you join me in that this year? If we want to make a difference, that's the only way we're going to make a difference. Let's get deeper. Let's keep going deeper. Let's keep using all the things that God has for us. I've asked Seth to lead us and we're going to sing uh, uh, the song, one of the songs we sang earlier. And, and I just invite you to, to listen to it. And if God's speaking to your heart and you want to pray, the altars are always open. I understand we're probably the cream of the crop. Everybody here is probably the best of the best, and I get that, and maybe you don't need to pray. But if God's speaking to your heart today, the altars are open. I'd love to pray with you, and I'd love to just see you pray. It's just neat to watch and know that God is working in your hearts. And let's stand together. Let's sing with Seth, and let's, uh, let's just worship the Lord together. He's so good to us. Father, you're so good to us. Jesus, I just right now just really want to tell you how much I love you. I'm so thankful that you love me. I'm so thankful that I have all the mess that I've made in my life and all the things that I've tried to do. Lord, you have not forgotten who I am. You haven't ignored me. You haven't said, well, that's a son that isn't worth anything and tossed me on the heap. But you have put your arms around me and you have drawn me to yourself. And Lord, you keep taking me deeper and deeper. You teach me more and more all the time. And Lord, I pray that we will all go there. Take us deeper, Lord. Take us deeper. We're your children. Take us deeper, Lord, until we can do the things that you want us to do, until we, until we make a difference in the world that we live in. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.